like I said, tonight's drosh is going to be all about the prophet Samuel. And this is going to be rather short and sweet and straight to the point. But as always, if you happen to miss anything, you can go check out the drosh slides available right now on GodHonestTruth.com. And starting tomorrow morning, you'll be able to view the on-demand video as well. So let's get right into it. The first time we see Samuel mentioned in Scripture is in, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 1.20. Hmm. Excuse me. 1 Samuel 1.20. And it came to be at the turn of days that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Shemuel, because I have asked Yahweh for him. Now, Samuel's name actually means his name is El, right? Samuel literally means his name is El, because Shem meaning name, and then El, of course, referring to Elohim. Now, it doesn't mean that Samuel was God. No, it's just a metaphor, right? The meaning of his name. But it comes from Strong's H8050, for those of you nerds out there like me. And Strong's definition has it as a name of three different uh, Israelites. Brown Driver Briggs, there's a definition on your screen. If you're listening to the audio podcast, again, feel free to go to GodHonestTruth.com and find the slides for the Drosh for tonight's video. And here is the Justinius' Hebrew lexicon as well. Another name, or meaning of the name that's got listed here is Heard of God. Now, a few things about Samuel himself. He was an Ephraimite, which means he was from the tribe of Ephraim. His father, his name was Elkanah. And Elkanah means that El has created or El has possessed. His mother's name was Hannah. And her name means grace, mercy, or favor. Now, Samuel was a prophet like others in scripture, like Moses, like Jeremiah, like Deborah, etc., etc., he was also the last judge of Israel. Now, we went over some other judges from Deborah to Samson, etc. But Samuel was the last judge over Israel. He anointed the first king that Israel ever saw, and that was, of course, Saul or Shaul. He also anointed the second king of Israel. And of course, his name was Dawid, that we know of today as David. More about Saul and David coming up. He was also a Nazarite, which means that his entire life he was a Nazarite. So he never cut his hair. He never went near anything dead. And he never drank alcohol or anything from grapes or anything like that, right? We covered all about the Nazarites earlier in an earlier drosh. And he's also generally attributed to be the author of both 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Ruth, and Judges. Now, of course, like a lot of things, this is contested in some circles, but generally he is attributed as being the author of these three books. Now, the backstory of Samuel is fairly interesting. We start out with his father, Elkanah, who had two wives, both Hannah and Panina. Now, Panina had children, but Samuel's mother, Hannah, did not. She was barren. And if you'll notice as we go through Scripture, as you read through Scripture, barrenness among women is actually a theme that goes throughout Scripture, right? Sarah was barren. 
up till the time before she had Isaac. Uh, Mary was barren up until she had Yeshua. So there's kind of a theme going through here all the way through the lineage. But even though Hannah did not have children, and Panina did, Panina would actually torment Hannah over this one issue, which made Hannah very distressed and brokenhearted and troubled over the whole matter. But then Hannah put her trust and prayers to Yahweh, and she prayed for a male child specifically. And she stated that if Yahweh was to give her a male child, that she would dedicate and give that male child to the service of Yahweh, and that the boy would be a Nazarite. So in 1 Samuel 1, 13-15, we find where Hannah is praying for this child. And it says, And Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Put away, I'm sorry, put your wine away from you. And Hannah answered him and said, No, my master, I am a woman pained in spirit, and I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my being before Yahweh. So when she went to this house of Yahweh at a location called Shiloh, excuse me, she was praying to Yahweh for a male child. And as she was doing that, she was praying silently, so her lips was moving, and this priest, Eli, saw her and thought she was sauced, right? Thought she was drunk already. But she said, no, I'm just troubled and praying for a son. So Yahweh listened to her prayers, answered her prayers, and in 1 Samuel 1, 25-28, she has a child. I'm sorry, back up. <clears throat> so she has the child. And then she stays back at her hometown instead of going back to the house of Yahweh until the boy Samuel is weaned. Then, once the boy is weaned, then she takes him back to the priest Eli to dedicate and give him to the service of Yahweh. 1 Samuel 1, 25-28 And they slew a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my master, as your being lives, my master... I am the woman who stood by you here praying to Yahweh. I prayed for this youth, and Yahweh has granted me what I asked of him. So I have also loaned him to Yahweh. All the days that he lives, he shall be loaned to Yahweh. And he worshiped there before Yahweh. And because she prayed for this male child, received this male child, and then upheld her part of what she prayed namely to give the boy to the service of Yahweh, she was blessed after that and had additional sons and daughters. 1 Samuel 2.21 And Yahweh visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters while the young Shemuel grew before Yahweh. So, after Shemuel or Samuel went to live in service of Yahweh at the house of Yahweh with Eli the priest. Of course, he grew and he learned and he got educated. He became a mighty man and became a judge over Israel, the last judge, as it turns out. And he's, we see in 1 Samuel seven fifteen through 17 that Samuel was a righteous judge. 
And Shemuel rightly ruled Yisrael all the days of his life, and each year he made the rounds of Bethel and Gilgal and Mitzpah, and rightly ruled Yisrael in all those places. Then he returned to Ramah, for his home was there, and there he rightly ruled Yisrael, and there he built a slaughter place to Yahweh. Now, something you may not pick up on right here is talking about when he was a judge over Israel, that he would make the rounds and go to these different places, visiting the towns and the people there. And this is kind of opposite of what happened during Moses' time. When Moses was over the multitude that came out, over the people of Israel, they were told to come, everyone come to Moses to have their matters heard and to learn stuff, right? But in the case of Samuel, we see him going out himself to all these places instead of all the people coming to him. Maybe I'm the only one that interested, but I thought that was rather interesting as well. So as he was rightly ruling Israel, he somehow found time to have a family life, and he actually had a couple of sons. However, his sons did not follow in his righteous footsteps and did that which was not right in the eyes of Yahweh. 1 Samuel 8, 1 and 3. And it came to be, when Shemuel was old, that he made his sons rulers over Israel. But his sons did not walk in his ways and turned aside after own gain and took bribes and twisted right ruling. So Samuel was ruling, then he tried to put his sons up there, but they didn't do right. So people were kind of upset at this point, right? They're trusting and respecting Samuel, but not his sons. They've got a bad taste in their mouth. So what do they do? They ask for a king to be set over them. Now, remember, there's a difference between a judge and a king. A judge is only for a certain period of time, not throughout his entire life, usually. It's usually only over a certain portion of Israel, wherever there's generally trouble, you know, where the Philistines are coming in or something like that. A judge does not levy national taxes. A judge does not have a standing army or his own personal guard. Whereas the king would have all these things and make decisions and rulings for the entire nation, not just a certain area of Israel. But the people asked for a king and that's what they got. 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 7. And all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Shemuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a sovereign to rule us like all the nations. But the word was evil in the eyes of Shemuel when they said, Give us a sovereign to rule us. So Shemuel prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh said to Shemuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from reigning over them. That just hits hard. Where Yahweh was taking it that they weren't rejecting Samuel and him being judge over them. Rather, they were rejecting Yahweh and Yahweh's reign over them to request a king. And of course, we know the first king that was selected was Saul. 1 Samuel 9, 1-2 
And there was a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Shaul, or Saul, young and handsome. And there was not a more handsome man than he among the children of Israel, taller than any of the people by the shoulders and upwards. So Saul was selected by lot, actually, but he selected to be the first king of Israel. Now, notice his stature here. He's a very handsome, good look upon man, more so than anyone else in Israel. Now, he was tall and probably muscular, so that's the kind of king they went for first. Okay, not one that is good of heart or that follows after Yahweh, but they selected one that was physically mighty and good-looking. 1 Samuel 9, 17, And when Shemuel saw Shaul, Yahweh said to him, See, the man of whom I spoke to you, let this one govern my people. 1 Samuel 10, 1 and 24-25 And Shemuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because Yahweh has anointed you leader over his inheritance? And Shemuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom Yahweh has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? And all the people shouted and said, Let the sovereign live. And Shemuel declared to all the people the rulings of the reign, and wrote it in a book and placed it before Yahweh. And Shemuel sent all the people away, each to his house. So the people got what they wanted. They got a king. Okay? But the last prophet, I'm sorry, the last judge, Samuel, is still alive and performing his duties as prophet. And he eventually brings an order to give to Saul from Yahweh concerning the Amalekites. Now, if you don't remember who the Amalekites were, excuse me, when the people came out of Egypt and they were heading through the wilderness towards Mount Sinai, the very first people to attack them were the Amalekites. Because of this, there's been hatred towards the Amalekites, and Yahweh gives orders to Saul concerning the Amalekites. Check something real quick. There we go. All right, so in 1 Samuel 15, 1-3, we see this. And Shemuel said to Shaul, Yahweh sent me to anoint you sovereign over his people, over Israel. And now listen to the voice of the words of Yahweh. Thus said Yahweh of hosts, I shall punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way when he came up from Mitzrayim. Now go and you shall strike Amalek and put under the ban all that he has, and you shall not spare them and put to death from man to woman, from infant to nursing child, from ox to sheep, from camel to donkey. So he tells Saul that when he goes up against the Amalekites, that he is to obliterate everything concerning the Amalekites. Men, women, young, old, even the animals. Everything is to be destroyed. However, Saul did not follow these orders. 1 Samuel 15, 9. But Shaul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. 
and put not them under the ban. But all goods despised and worthless they put under the ban. So Saul saved all the good stuff from the Amalekites, but then destroyed, like he's supposed to, all the bad stuff. Now he's supposed to destroy everything, the good stuff and the bad stuff, but he didn't. He disobeyed Yahweh. First Samuel, oh, there we go, 15, 10 through 11. And the word of Yahweh came to Shemuel, saying, I am grieved that I have set up Shaul as sovereign, for he has turned back from me, from following me, and has not performed my words. And it displeased Shemuel, and he cried to Yahweh all night. So now we see that even Yahweh has regretted from putting Saul in kingship over Israel. And to go even further, Saul sets up monuments to himself. Yeah, even goes that far. 1 Samuel 15, 12. And Shemuel rose early in the morning to meet Shaul, and it was told to Shemuel, saying, Shaul went to Carmel, and see, he set up a monument for himself, then turned and passed over and went down to Gilgal. Kind of reminds you of like Constantine setting up the monuments for himself or Napoleon or whatnot. This is all the things that Saul did as the first king of Israel. Not a very good start. And then we see in 1 Samuel 15, 17 through 19 and 22 through 23. And Shemuel said, Though you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not Yahweh anoint you sovereign over Israel? And Yahweh sent you on the way and said, Go, and you shall put under the ban the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. And why did you not obey the voice of Yahweh, but swoop down on the spoil, and did evil in the eyes of Yahweh? Then Shemuel said, does Yahweh delight in ascending offerings and slaughterings as in obeying the voice of Yahweh? Look, to obey is better than a slaughtering. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is, is as the sin of divination, and stubbornness is as wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of Yahweh, he also does reject you as sovereign. Now, very important passage I want to read one more time. Does Yahweh delight in ascending offerings and slaughterings, as in obeying the voice of Yahweh? Look, to obey is better than a slaughtering, to heed is better than the fat of rams. All about the obedience, even today in our own lives. It's about obeying, doing exactly what Yahweh told us to do. This is a lesson we can learn, not do the things that King Saul done which made Yahweh regret ever putting him in as king. So he didn't, I'm sorry, King Saul kept the spoils, the good parts from the Amalekites, and even spared their king. So Samuel, as you see here, comes down, rebukes him for what he did, and calls it evil and whatnot. And he learns that Agag is still living. So the prophet Samuel actually goes out and finishes the job that Saul should have done. 1 Samuel 15, 32-33 And Shemuel said, Bring Agag, sovereign of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him delightfully, and Agag said, Truly the bitterness of death has turned aside. And Shemuel said, 
As your sword bereaved women, let your mother be bereaved among women too. Shemuel then hewed Agag to pieces before Yahweh in Gilgal. So Shemuel has Agag brought for him, brought before him. And Agag, he's all happy. He thinks there's nothing, you know, going to happen to him because Saul let him live. You know, back in the day, if king gets captured, the king gets killed by the opposing army. But Agag is spared by Saul, so he thinks he's all good to go. But he doesn't understand the prophet Samuel. Samuel comes up. Samuel takes care of business. Samuel obeys the orders of Yahweh and what Yahweh had commanded. So, Saul done evil in the eyes of Yahweh, did not obey. So Yahweh repented and regretted that he ever put Saul in position as king and then goes out to get a new king to replace Saul. 1 Samuel 16, 2-3 and 7. And Yahweh said, You shall anoint for me the one I say to you. But Yahweh said to Shemuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For not as man sees, for man looks at the eyes, but Yahweh looks at the heart. Remember, when Saul was selected, he was a handsome, beautiful man, very tall, probably very muscular, and that's what the people were looking at. Now Yahweh's telling Samuel to go out and select the next king based not on how they look, because Yahweh sees the heart. And then most of you know that story, but we'll, when we do the dossier on David, we'll go more into detail on David and his life. But David is anointed king by Samuel, who also obviously anointed Saul. But we, we read in 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13, and Shemuel said to Yishai, are these all the young men? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and see, he is tending the sheep. And Shemuel said to Yishai, Send and bring him, for we do not turn round till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. And he was ruddy with bright eyes and handsome. And Yahweh said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Shemuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon Dawid from that day and onwards. And Shemuel arose and went to Ramah. So now Saul is still king, but David is anointed as the next king. Right? He's had oil poured on him by the prophet Samuel. And it's kind of interesting to, when you read through this section of scripture in 1 Samuel, you see that after Saul does wrong in the eyes of Yahweh, that there is an evil spirit that comes on him and troubles him. And then Dawid is anointed as the next future king after Saul. And it's already foretold at this point that Saul and his sons are going to be killed because of what he did. But Saul brings in Dawid as a musician. And every time that David plays for King Saul, the evil spirit lifts off of Saul and doesn't trouble him. So that's one reason that Saul is kind of taken with Dawid. But I just thought that was interesting too, because here it says that the spirit of Yahweh came upon Dawid. 
And then when he played for King Saul, the evil spirit kind of stopped troubling Saul. Very, very interesting. But we don't really hear much after this point about Samuel. Okay, when King Saul is trying to kill David, David flees to Samuel and takes refuge with Samuel. And we get another couple of mentions about Samuel, but nothing really where he's the main character. And then we get to chapter 25 of 1 Samuel, and we hear about Samuel's death. 1 Samuel 25, 1. And Shemuel died, and all Israel gathered and mourned for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. And Dawid arose and went down into the wilderness of Paran. So this is the end of Samuel's life, the end of the last judge of Israel, a prophet of Yahweh. This is his death. Could not really find out much more about Samuel. We know he had sons, right? So that meant he had at least one wife. Samuel's father had two wives. We know Samuel at least had one wife, but we don't ever find her name in Scripture, which is rather interesting. And it doesn't really say here when he dies about how old he is. Because a lot of times when you read about Abraham or Adam or someone like that, they'll say, and so-and-so lived for so long a time and then died, right? But it doesn't say it was Samuel here, which is interesting why that part didn't get put in there. Another interesting thing about Samuel is that after his death, while King Saul was still alive and near the end of his life, as it turns out, that Saul goes to a psychic, a medium, and requests her to, you know, ask uh, or bring someone up for him so he can speak to him. It turns out that the person that Saul wants this medium to bring up is the prophet Samuel. It's the only instance of necromancy that we see in Scripture, and Samuel happens to be involved in it. 1 Samuel 28, 6-7 and 11-12 And Shaul inquired of Yahweh, but Yahweh did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Shaul then said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium to go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Look, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And the woman said, Whom do I bring up for you? So he said, Bring up Shemuel for me. And when the woman saw Shemuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Shaul, saying, Why have you deceived me? You yourself are Shaul. So there's some controversy surrounding this story here. Okay, at first glance, when you read through it, you think it's actually the you know, soul of Samuel that's coming up, that's brought up by this medium. However, others make a good case that this medium isn't actually bringing up the soul of Samuel, is actually bringing up a demon, okay? That is for you to study out and make your own decision on. That's can go into another drosh all by itself. But just know that there is controversy, and Samuel's name is placed on whatever it is that comes up, right? And it's the only place that we find an instance of necromancy in the Scriptures,
And Samuel was even so righteous and well-liked and well-known and did so many you know, good things that he made it into what we call the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, chapter 30, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 34. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to relate of Gideon and Barak and Shimshon and Yiphthah, also of Dawid and Shemuel, and the prophets who through belief overcame rains, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. Now, there's a lot more about the life of Samuel as you read through 1 Samuel. There's an instance where the Philistines come in and they actually take the Ark of the Covenant back with them. It doesn't turn out good for them, but didn't want to put that entire story here because that would make for a much longer drosh. But it is rather interesting what how it turns out for them. And I invite you to go and study and do your own research more into the life and person of Samuel. But even the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia has this to state about Prophet Samuel, that Samuel was undoubtedly one of the most important leaders of the Israelites. His spiritual encouragement and his farsightedness undoubtedly preserved the existence of the nation, meaning the nation of Israel. And that's very true. He was an important figure, and he was instrumental in more ways than one in preserving the nation of Israel. And think about it. when If the nation of Israel was not preserved, had they been wiped out, then we would not have the lineage of Messiah. So Samuel played a very important role in that prophecy as well in preserving Israel. So, to sum up everything we just went over, I told you to be short and sweet. <clears throat> Samuel was an Ephraimite of the tribe of Ephraim, right? He was a prophet, meaning a mouthpiece for Yahweh, and he was also the very last judge of Israel. Samuel anointed the very first two kings of Israel, Saul, and then when Saul messed up, he anointed the second king, Dawid or David. And he was the only he was involved in the only mention of necromancy that we find in scripture. So if you'd like to read more about Samuel, the person of Samuel and the life of Samuel, look at 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 25. Now he's mentioned in other places like we saw in Hebrews, he's also mentioned in the book of Chronicles, etc., etc., but his main life and what describes Samuel and what he did is 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 25.